Hey friends, this is the Kamut. Summer edition. Summer edition. Rubes, how are you, mate? I am good. It's uh, back to being nice and warm after the hurricane that passed. The hurricane and now this post-hurricane sun definitely has something to do with my summer love and that we'll talk about a bit later. But first of all, mate, what are we talking about this week? This week, we're talking about AI-powered meat. We're talking about a stable coin. Not so stable. Not so stable. And we're also talking about what you and I open up an OnlyFans account. Oh, yeah, we're announcing it, right? We're finally yeah, on we're, there? Yeah, we're, we're announcing the OnlyFans account, and we're also talking about what's, what's the deal with OnlyFans. <sighs> Love it. No new fans. Talk to me about this AI-powered meat. How many more different types of meat can we get? <laughs> to be more specific, we are talking about plant-based meat. Most people would have already heard of the Impossible Burger and Beyond Beef and all that kind of good stuff. They're, they're, the, they're two of the more reputable or known brands in the space right now, but one thing that I thought was really cool that came out in this last week. So the Morning Brew did an interview and a little story on the people from a plant-based meat and dairy company by the name of Not Co. So their products are not milk, oh, okay. not meat, not beef, you know, haha. What an unoriginal name. So these guys are from Chile and they were founded in 2015 and, and they've just raised like 300 plus million dollars. Very recently they raised 200, but they've raised up to 300 million dollars at this point. They do have products here in the States and in other parts of the Americas, but with that latest bit of fundraising, they're worth about 1.5 billion dollars. And these guys are direct competitors to your Beyond Meats and Impossible Foods or whatever they're called. Impossible Foods is the company that makes the Impossible Burger, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So same same playing field there of plant-based meat that looks like real meat and it's trying to take market share from actual meat eaters. Why I thought these guys were pretty cool and notable this week was they have an AI system, artificial intelligence, by the way, which is named Giuseppe, which I love. What a great name for an AI system. Yeah. <laughs> Right. Like, like, I feel like that that is a much better name than Deep Blue or whatever the hell, or Deep Horizon or whatever. Whatever. What's IBM's name called? Yeah, Deep Deep Watson, whatever his name is. It's, you're trying too hard. Just Giuseppe. Yeah, Giuseppe. Just give it a name. Like a. I want the next AI to be. What's your AI? Tom. Tom. This is Tom. So Giuseppe, what's his job? Right. There's. There's. I think you know they have a team of like 20 plus food scientists and chefs that are working on different recipes and different ways to make this plant-based meat taste like real meat. But what they actually use Giuseppe for is they input all of this data and they get the AI to help them figure out what combinations of plant-based foods would actually end up tasting good, but also actually end up tasting more like meat, right? So where they started with a data set for the AI that was just pulled from the internet and just looked at things like recipe production and so on. They've actually brought in a bunch of scientific equipment, stuff that I've never heard of, like words like spectrometry and texturometer machines, which kind of sound made up, you know, it's like smell-o-vision. Texturometer. Texturometer, that, yeah. Does that measure the texture? It's the thing. It didn't, it didn't go into that level of detail, so I don't know whether it's hocus-pocus, but supposedly with all this extra scientific data, it allows Giuseppe to be a little bit more precise, right? And now what they actually have this AI doing is actually analyzing meat protein structures so it can better emulate 
something like a, a steak or, or a ribeye or something like that. So it's actually analyzing the structures, the protein structures, which is pretty cool. So the idea is that Giuseppe is going to build a better plant-based meat. Is that the idea? Yeah. So I think Giuseppe spits out or they make like about 100 recipes a month. They come up with them and the chefs and their food scientists will test them out and see what they think of them. And they can actually put feedback back into Giuseppe's data set being like, this is what we thought of your crappy tasting meat. It was too rubberized, you know? So they can actually give feedback and and they work off of that. Also crazy that they're doing like a hundred recipes a month. That's like three recipes a day, trying something different. So they're working hard to try and make it taste closer and closer to beef. Yeah, this is all to make it taste as close to beef as possible, right? Yeah, yeah. And and milk too. Good. And I, milk. I th- oh, okay. Yeah, so because the, they have a not milk product as well. Before they started using Giuseppe, it took them about 10 months to build, to create their first milk product. And then like using data from Giuseppe and Giuseppe's recommendations, let's call them, their next milk product, they developed it in two months. So it's all, there's also a speed aspect too. Wow. There's a lot of plant-based meat and just general no meat, no dairy industries that are just popping up. Yeah. Is it the future? Is that it? Are we, I think have it we has turned to the be. curve? Have we turned the curve now where it's becoming now more and more mainstream? And you think in 10 years, 15 years time, the number of people eating beef and like just organic chicken and meat is going to reduce drastically? Yeah. As long as the economics of it work, like if it becomes cheaper than real meat and tastes just as good, I don't see why people wouldn't buy it. Like people buy crap from 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 feedlots and all of the crappy meat in this country all the time and they don't care where it comes from like i think if you said you had a plant-based meat and it was cheaper like i i think it would take off i mean i don't drink regular milk anymore because almond milks because i'm what you're in brooklyn yeah it's true people in brooklyn don't drink like what are you guys only oat milk right yeah yeah macadamia milk not, if you not, fancy. not even water just oat milk yeah i think it's an economics thing man bathe in oat milk yeah because you, if you can make it healthier, it means you don't have to. You also probably don't have to make it in the middle of the country and transport it, like lower costs and all this good stuff. But right now, obviously, it costs a lot more money to make. I don't know. We're not talking about not the not company anymore. Just generally, mm. it costs more money to make a Beyond Burger than yeah. it may cost to make to get like a burger patty from your butchers. Yeah, and chicken's so bloody cheap. Like, don't even get me started on chicken. It's going to be hard to beat the cost of factory farm chicken, which is aside from the fact that it's terrible for you. But yeah, to get a Beyond or an Impossible patty right now at the supermarket, while they are a good product, they are more expensive. So that's one thing. Mm. And it, it, it may work if governments decide in order to curb the impact of that sort of agriculture on the environment. If they, let's say they just, instead of having half of the US currently to rearing cattle, if they just said it can only be a third of that, then all of a sudden the cost of, rearing cattle goes up yeah and so potentially. Then maybe maybe then it evens it out a bit or you could have so something that's actually happening recently in california is they've passed some laws around treating pigs more humanely giving them more space to live and all this kind of stuff and basically the pork industry pig farmers are saying that it's gonna there's gonna be a bacon shortage in california because that because they won't be able to make as much pork or bacon as they normally would due to all these extra things they have to do because they have to treat pigs nicer. So it might become a thing of if humane treatment of animals or if, or if, or if animal treatment standards go up, 
and you have less of a product because it comes more expensive, then it makes the fake stuff. Yeah, it all levels out, I guess, at a certain point. Oh, let's see. Interesting to see what happens with all the AI meat. Maybe they'll get close. Yeah. Tell me about only because Bitcoin's now back up above 50 grand or something and everyone's back on the crypto bandwagon. What's the deal with stable coins? Because I know you got you, you flirted. A stable coin is essentially a cryptocurrency, not Bitcoin. It's a different cryptocurrency that has its value pegged to a fiat currency. So, for example, USD coin and USD or, or Tether, as it's referred to, are two of the biggest stable coins and they are pegged to the US dollar, which means one USD coin will always equal one US dollar fiat and one Tether dollar would always equal one US dollar. Its attractiveness is in the fact that you can own a cryptocurrency that isn't volatile if you want to store money there. Why store it in a stable coin when I can just store it in my US bank account? There are institutions out there give you that will pay you a higher interest rate for storing your stable coin with them than you would regular. So right now in your bank, they might be giving you a quarter percent interest, which is peanuts on the money you have sitting in the bank. There are places out there that if you kept your stable coin with them, they would pay you like 8% interest uh, on your cash that just sits there. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Because they use it for other things? Yeah, more or less. They're just like a regular bank. They're lending it elsewhere and making money off of your money. So theoretically, they're making enough profit on their side that they can also afford to pay you 8%. So that's the that's the thing. What's been in the news recently is that for the longest time, both of, most stable coins, but especially both of these two biggest guys, USD coin which is worth about 30 billion, there's 30 billion in assets and 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 Tether, which is like 60 billion. So they're quite huge. They've always been saying, we are backed for every dollar you have, we have a dollar, a US dollar in the bank account backing it, right? So it's like that thing of like, if my bank fails, am I going to be able to get my cash? Turns out that wasn't true. Turns out these companies, they've started to be more transparent about what their money, what your money is actually doing. They didn't have anywhere near as much as one-to-one in the bank account. There was a whole- Well, hang on, hang on, hang on. Are you saying that a cryptocurrency wasn't as good as it was hyped up to be? (laughs) Apparently. Why do you put your money in a bank account, right? Because you think that you're not going to lose it. And a regular bank account is federally insured, which means if your bank fails under insurance, you will get your money back. But these stablecoin issuers or these- let's call them, not, they're not banks, but they're these institutions that are taking hold of your stablecoin. If they failed tomorrow or if there was a run on them and everyone tried to pull their money out and they couldn't pay you, your money's not insured, so you'd actually lose it. So it's not zero risk, whereas putting your money in a Bank of America account is zero risk. And so basically they came out, what What was this, this week, last week? When did they come out and say all of a sudden, hey, guys, we're actually not? It's been more so the last few weeks or so, there's been more and more pressure with this regulatory scrutiny on cryptocurrency. These bigger guys, Tether and USDC, are proactively being more transparent about what the truth is. And Circle and Coinbase, who kind of own USD coin, have come out and said, you know, we said for every dollar, there's a dollar in the bank account, but that wasn't exactly true. And what ended up happening is they got some cash, some government bonds, other stuff lent out like corporate bonds, stuff that's potentially risky, which is fine. Institutions do that shit all the time, but they misled people saying that, you know, there's a US dollar in the bank in our bank account waiting for you. It wasn't true. But at least the silver lining is now that they're being more transparent, they're actually 
shoring themselves up some some more. So the one that's backed by Circle and Coinbase, they've said that from September, they will only be holding the reserves in cash and US treasuries. So so government bonds, basically, which are pretty much as safe as safe can get. So Wow. Anyone lose money on this so far or is it, is it, or is it just, no, not really? And it's not there like was actually no some lawsuit that the feds went against Tether some months ago because they had invested a bunch of money in there and lost it and not been able to pay some people out, I think. And they ended up paying like a $14 million fine or something like that, but they didn't admit to any wrongdoing. So there has been some shady stuff going behind, which is not great. But what's cool is that they're starting to be more transparent if you want to believe them. That's the thing. I believed them months ago when they said they're one for one back, then they were lying and they got me. So I don't know. Now, I'm going to call you after this and talk to you about my friend's magic beans that he can get us into. Hey, I'm in. Just tell me where to- He guarantees me that not only are they magic, but they're also beans. <laughs> Rubes, tell me about OnlyFans. I'm going to pretend like I know nothing about it. About OnlyFans. Right. So I'm going to pretend you- like I've never used it. OnlyFans is a website that was created. It's actually headquartered in London. And it was created in 20 and launched rather in 2016. And when it was launched, it was basically a social media content website that could, you could sign up as a user and share content with other fa- other people on your website. And the idea was, as the name suggests, if you're a content creator, you would have fans that would subscribe to look at your stuff and you know, there'd be a paywall between you and your fans. So in order for people to see your stuff, they pay. Unlike, I guess, the YouTube model or the Facebook model, which is advertising driven, OnlyFans revenue model was that as, you know, people would pay to see you as a content creator. Sure. So tell me about these content creators. Give me the juice. OnlyFans, as of a couple of weeks ago, had about 130 million users. It actually took off like it, whilst it was created in 2016, it really took off around pandemic. And it turns out a very large portion of the content creators on OnlyFans are people in the adult entertainment industry. It, it turned out the OnlyFans website went from being just about content creators to being essentially a porn site. Great. And I'm sure business was booming. It was booming. Their bottom line was rock hard. A combination of the pandemic and a lot of sex workers had basically because of the pandemic couldn't do anything in real life so moved to this platform then combine that with a lot of influencers who couldn't go and do anything outside who also moved to this platform and started charging for people to see them in more explicit imagery if you will from what they would normally see on Instagram and whatnot and so on and so forth so people actually pay for pornography uh, who knew right yeah. It turns out uh, online pornography is a big business. Mm. And for OnlyFans, it's basically their only business. Something like 90% of all content creators are people who are essentially doing that. So where this all has been interesting was last week, OnlyFans is in the process of seeking additional funding so that it would be valued in the order of about a billion dollars, right? So I mean, a it billion is dollars, a billion dollars, right? and that's—I mean—they're seeking funding to be valued at that mark. The problem with this is a lot of banks that would typically give them funding have said, "Hang on, what you do or the way you charge and the, and what's being charged for here doesn't quite work for us." 
So last week, it came out, OnlyFans came out and said, we are now going to stop all not safe for work content. So in other words, the gravy train stopped. Wait a minute. No more porn. Yeah. So if you're a content creator there, you can't now charge for essentially pornographic material. Basically, everyone's second question was, what's the point of OnlyFans then? Yeah. Uh, And the reason that they had to say that, the owner came out and said, the reason is a lot of the big banks are JP Morgan, who they were trying to get funding from, and a bunch of other banks basically were saying that you need to clean up your image because it's a reputational issue for us to give you money. And also, here's a weird thing, a lot of payments, so when, when you go on OnlyFans, you have to pay, right? And you use merchant payment platforms that are online. But a lot of credit cards and like MasterCard, for example, are starting to crack down on people who pay for stuff like porn because of various sanctions and various ties to child sex trafficking and general trafficking and all that stuff. So It's like a nightclub that doesn't allow music. Yeah. But like, I guess the point is OnlyFans is now saying, well, if we need more cash, we need to be able to placate the, the banks, so to speak. And so they came out and said, hey, by the way, guys, no more, none of this content anymore. Huge backlash from last week. I'm sure. Massive backlash. Obviously, it was all tongue in cheek. The rest of us were having, having a good laugh at them. But the people that were actually on the, using the site, the content creators, and a lot of the sex workers who have said, hey, we make a living now through this because we can't do it because of the pandemic and whatnot. Huge backlash. And I think what ended up happening was they realized their entire business model was crumbling. So today, OnlyFans came out and said, actually, scrap that. We're going to keep this content. (laughs) And because, and I quote, because they were given, quote, unquote, assurances from banks that it would be okay. Wow. So I think this is all to say. It's all going to be a bit interesting. It all comes down to, as usual, money and funding. I love a good backflip. Yeah, exactly. I I mean, I, I think that. Eventually, they, I don't know where the money comes from because I actually don't know where like adult sites on the internet get their money from in terms of investment. But I don't think these guys are going to be able to be funded by your traditional banks, put it that way. I think you have lots of shell companies that do in alternative investments that are like tied up as part of some other big. There's lots of ways to hide money trails. I'm sure they don't have any trouble getting the money. And I'm also equally sure that. The big banks, no matter what they say publicly, probably also have those shell companies because if there's hundreds of millions to be made by flipping stock in a company, I guarantee you the likes of JP Morgan and co, no matter how high and mighty their standards are, will 100% be in there somehow. All righty. Let's wrap this up, buddy. basically means that you and I need to uh, get on this OnlyFans page, man, get some... I I was actually excited. I figured, hey, if it's now going to be not safe for work content, you and I can just have a cooking show on there. We could just we could still have the cooking show, but we can cook naked or something. Yeah, I don't think we'll have the same revenue, mate. Come on, it's worth a shot. Maybe, yeah, maybe we're gonna have to we'll have to brand it right. There's an easy connection between podcast listeners and OnlyFans fans. <laughs> I did I did touch on my summer loving at the start. I'll just make it super quick. Now that the hurricane has passed and it's it's scorching hot and the sun's out and there's not a cloud to be found. What I love is the summer evenings when it's like nine o'clock and it's still warm and everyone's out at the park and on the streets. I think that's what I fucking love about summer. My my wife and I went for a walk yesterday from Moab and I went for a walk yesterday from Union Square all the way downtown and it was a nice balmy night and it was fantastic. It really does. Sometimes New York City does put on a good show when it comes to the weather. Yeah, it's it's a good week for it. All right, dude. Thank you, man. Cheers, mate. Have a good one.